Welcome to Opening the Door Podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today you'll hear a conversation I had with Christiana about spiritual boundaries and a lot more thrown in there too, but mostly about spiritual boundaries. You first heard Christiana on our Haunted Doll episode, and as I explained in that episode, that was actually our third conversation. So you'll hear this first one today, and then later in December, another fun conversation with her and another guest. But just know that this was our official first interview, and I think we did this way back in the summer. So now it's finally here. I decided to keep this one until November because we're coming up on the end of the year. We're coming up on holiday season which is a great time to have spiritual boundaries. And, you know, sometimes the holiday season can be, um, you know, a time for lots of family. And sometimes that means a time for lots of boundaries as well. So I thought this would be a timely episode for you. Either way, whatever holidays you celebrate or do not celebrate. Um, so yeah, enjoy the episode. And remember, don't be afraid to open your door. Today, we're welcoming Christiana to opening the door. Christiana is a witch, psychic medium, astrologer, and tarot instructor based in Vancouver, Canada. Christiana has been practicing psychic development, tarot, and evolutionary astrology for around 15 years. As a queer, disabled woman, she is committed to a trauma-informed approach in her work. By merging the realms of psychic mediumship and astrology, she is able to use her gifts to support the intuitive development and personal growth of her clients. You can find her on Instagram at Earthside Medium or online at earthsidemedium.com. Christiana, welcome to Opening the Door. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I love connecting with other witchy folks, so thanks. Yes, absolutely. So basic, as we start here, let's sort of start with the first most basic question. And I'm wondering a little bit about if you can tell us about your spiritual journey, where did it all begin for you? Uh, well, my spiritual journey has been a long one. Um, I think I've kind of always been on a spiritual journey. I was a very imaginative child. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I would share with friends or family, they might not always understand. So I feel like looking back as a child, I'm like, it, it began early, um, but I think both of my parents were really spiritual and open-minded. My mom in particular is very spiritual and also quite psychic. So I feel like I may have inherited that from her. Um, so I wasn't really like discouraged from pursuing my spiritual, my spiritual path or like my spirituality. But when I was around like 13, 14, I feel like this is kind of where I started to develop like an actual interest in some of the topics that I study now. So this is like astrology, um, psychic work, auras, spirit entities, certain things like that, mediumship. So I started getting really interested around that time. Um, and I think that was my attempt at making sense of a lot of things that were happening in my life and in my home, because the house I grew up in, I feel is haunted. But I mean, it. I think that's just dependent upon personal experience. And maybe it wasn't the house, maybe I was haunted, maybe it was me. So <laughs> who knows? <It> spooky. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I feel like I kind of started to develop like a curiosity for a lot of this stuff around like my early teens. And since then, I've just been kind of seeking knowledge and connections that help me understand my own paranormal experiences and my own development. I also grew up in a house that definitely had some spirit activity. And I thought that it would go away once I went to college. 
but kind of the same as you're saying, like, I think, I think when you're open <laughs> or like you're, you don't realize that you're open, but you are open to, you know, little spirit visits, they will visit you oh, <laughs> so, yeah. like whatever house you're in, you know? <laughs> yeah. If they want to, and we're energetically consenting to it in some way, then it'll come through. I feel like that's one of those things with spirit where, you know, we might not realize that we're open to it. So I think that's something we've all experienced as mediums, uh, specifically as younger people. I think that's something that a lot of mediums can kind of relate to. Yeah, that, that, yes. So what were some things that hinted to you that you were a medium or had mediumship abilities? And then how did you start to pursue those mediumship abilities specifically? Well, um, I think the things that kind of hinted to me that this might be like up my alley uh, was just always kind of feeling a connection to spirit. Um, but it was really when I started to use tarot cards, it was actually kind of like my gateway drug into mediumship is kind of like how I like to refer to it. So I've always kind of had a special interest in like anything witchy or occult. So I read a lot of like occult kind of books around my teen years. And I was just kind of like reading literally anything I could get my hands on and just being like, okay, is this interesting to me? Like, what's this? And then when I started to look at tarot, I just felt this really, really deep pull to it. And I feel like that's an intuitive nudge for sure. Um, I, my very first tarot deck, I had no idea what I was doing. It was very confusing. Like, like going back into the time and thinking about that time where I was like, doing tarot for the very first time and just giving myself the most confusing ass readings and like not knowing anything <laughs> about traditional tarot. And I think that's been helpful, like to look back on as someone who's taught tarot to be like, okay, what is like the base level of like, when you're introduced to this, what, what's going on? So I was instantly like, this is a puzzle I have to solve. I need to get really, really good at this. So I just studied it obsessively as a neurodivergent teen and got really, really good at remembering the traditional meanings. And then I started to realize that in a lot of the readings I was giving, it wasn't about the traditional meanings at all. And a lot of the information that was coming through was more channeled or more specific to that person and not the card itself. And I think that was kind of um, something that I started to really wake up to when I was in my mid twenties, because I was doing tarot readings at parties and art shows and things like that. But I, I wasn't really, I didn't really consider myself like professional by any means. But then I guess as I continued reading tarot, I was just like, oh, okay, so we other weird stuff's coming through. I'm going to explore this. Um, and then I connected with a couple different mediumship mentors over the years. And I've learned a lot from some of them. <laughs> so it's been a helpful kind of journey to seek out that kind of guidance. Yeah, I totally agree. I think mentorship can be really important and not, it, it might not be for everybody, but I also found that it was really, really helpful, especially with mediumship. So you kind of mentioned before, this is just kind of popping off the top of my head. You said you always felt like you had a connection to spirit. I think, I think it might be really helpful if you could explain what that felt like to you. What did that general feeling of connection to spirit feel like to you? Because I think a lot of the time when people ask me either about awakening their own abilities or getting them back when they feel like they've sort of been cut off for them, I think it, it might be really helpful to hear, like, what does your connection to spirit feel like? or look like or sound like? Sure. Yeah. 100%. So I think as like a young person, I recognize those feelings of just picking up on a, a presence, that kind of feeling like you might be being watched, that kind of thing where it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable just because there's someone, someone or something there that's just a little bit like confusing. <laughs> um, so I think that feeling for me was like maybe one of my first memories of what it feels like to 
be connected to spirit. But I noticed like after my grandfather passed away when I was 14, um, it was very sudden and unexpected. He was only 64. So it was just totally out of the blue. And I got like, I started getting a lot of like similar feelings of that presence around that time. And I had a, a good connection with my grandpa. And as an adult, like looking back on that, I can see all the connections now to him in, in spirit. And I think I began to develop that connection to his spirit around the time that he passed. And that kind of was my first anchor into connecting to a specific spirit or a specific person. And I uh, later on kind of learned to connect with other guides and then found out that my grandfather's mother was actually one of my guides because I didn't even know her name until I had the name of my guide. Um, so a lot of this stuff kind of started to piece itself together for me just through working with my own ancestors. So I can recommend that to anyone who's wanting to kind of like open up and explore the world of mediumship. I think connecting to the people that are in your spirit family, which can be blood relatives or not, um, people that we've known in this lifetime, people that we might have never met in this lifetime can be our guides. Mm -hmm. But just connecting to those souls is a great way to start. And you can open that up with something as simple as just having a photo of your loved one. I love that advice. I think that's really good advice. And how cool that you were able to sort of meet your guide and also realize that it is one of your ancestors too. That is really super cool experience. Yeah. There's actually a lot of really interesting synchronicities with that. When I was a child in the haunted house that I grew up in, um, I had a close friend in my neighborhood and it turns out that his mom was a student of my great grandmother in elementary school. So there's just all these weird little connections where I didn't know who she was. And then when I started to uncover things, I was like, wow, there's so many intricacies and like so many connections here. So it's really interesting to start to piece together this, the synchronicities as well when you start to connect with spirit, because you can see these like manifestations of actual things that they're trying to show you are like on the path or part of the path. Oh yeah. I love that. It's like everything when your eyes sort of open to it, everything becomes so cool and interconnected. So super, super cool. Totally. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in your bio is like trauma informed work. So can you tell us a little bit about what are some of the things that you do to sort of infuse your work to be more trauma informed? Yeah, absolutely. I think just as a person with like heaps of trauma, it's just something that is, uh, you know, on my mind. Like I want to make sure that if I'm opening up my business to other people that they are receiving a safe space in the best way that I can provide that. And so, for example, like when I was a teenager and my psychic ability stuff started to kind of pop off for me, there was a lot of shit hitting the fan at home and I was going through a lot. Um, I think a lot of psychic people experience certain realms of trauma that allow them to feel more deeply, to be able to understand the human experience in a, in a deep way. I think that's a certain aspect to this work that you kind of have to go through in order to be able to deliver certain levels of messages or certain levels of like healing to our clients. Um, we have to be able to relate on some level, which is like not fun, but also like very helpful. So I think that is kind of my inspiration for wanting to be trauma informed um, because I know what it's like to be triggered. I know what it's like to go into a space and have someone do something that I didn't consent to and to feel weird about it. And even in professional settings, even in appointments and uh, as a person with a lot of medical trauma as well and medical gaslighting that I've experienced, 
it's important to me to not be like a coach who's going to tell you that you're not perfect and that you have a million things that you need to work on in order to become like this ascended version of yourself. It's not like that at all. It's more personalized and not, there's no end goal outside of anything that is the end goal of the client. Right. But I think this is a really important question. So I feel like there's actually a lot to say about being trauma informed. Does this make sense so far? Yes. Yep. You're on a roll. Love it. (laughs) Okay, sweet. Thank you. I'm just checking in because sometimes I can go off and not make sense. But I think there are several important things. And one thing that makes my work as a medium trauma informed is understanding energetic boundaries with myself and with my clients. And we'll definitely talk more about energetic boundaries um, today. But I think that in this work, there are a lot of heavy energies at play. We're working directly in the realms of grief, death, loss, um, trauma, memories, you know, a lot of this really intense psychic information, um, spirit communicates in the language of emotion. So we're feeling it constantly. And I think not only on our end as mediums, we have to be aware of not taking on vicarious trauma through our clients, but also what are we leaving them with? And there are certain things that spirit might share that we have to act as like the decision maker to share or not and there are certain things that sometimes it might not be appropriate to share even if it's coming through for your client so that sometimes can be difficult Um, and what I mean by that is like I feel like spirit only shares information that is meant to be shared however the way that I might interpret that with my own bias with my own life experience might not actually be the correct message for that person and if I'm delivering something extremely heavy I want to make sure that I know it's correct and I want to make sure that I know that that person is consenting to that information so does this make sense yeah absolutely. yeah <laughs> okay I'm not sure uh if there's I feel like having like a trauma-informed approach and having that understanding of yourself your own situation and your client and their personal intersections, um, their identity, their sexuality, their race, their gender, all of these things can factor into how they will receive information. This will factor into how marginalized this person is, like certain things, certain resources I might want to share with that person might not actually be helpful to them and could be coming off as insulting. There's so many different facets of being trauma-informed it's not just between us and spirit and the client it's between like us as professionals and the client as well and I think that in a lot of workplaces a lot of professional settings even in like wonderful clinics around that do great things that have professionals that are there to be counselors even like sometimes those spaces aren't safe so it's really difficult to determine like what a safe space even looks like because it varies from person to person Um, But I hope that in my work through offering just the knowledge that I I am as trauma informed as I can be, I hope that that offers some people a safe space. I think, yeah, it's such an important thing to remember as we all do this work and and are channeling messages and are channeling loved ones and and all that stuff for um, everything to feel really good or uplifting and, and safe. So something that you mentioned in that answer was spiritual boundaries. And I really sort of want to get into that because it's something that you chat about on your social media. And I think it's something that we all need to be participating in and thinking about if you're 
like a spiritual person at all or like any human being, honestly. I think it's so, so important. So what is your definition of a spiritual boundary? I feel like that is like such a complex question because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is like so broad, but because, you know, this applies to me as an individual, I think that for me, spiritual boundaries are intentional guidelines that we set in place as a framework for our spiritual practice. And that can look like a lot of things. Um, That's pretty general, but uh, spiritual boundaries ultimately are a system of rules for me uh, to keep in place uh, to ensure my well-being. So I think a big part of how I came to getting really clear on my spiritual boundaries and being able to set those and being able to communicate those is actually just experiencing a lot of chronic illness, having to advocate for myself a lot, having to set aside time to heal, having to set aside time to do multiple tasks in one day if I'm having a hard time with my with my health. Um, I think that healing journey that I'm still very much on has been like a huge part of my process in understanding my own spiritual boundaries. And I think a lot of people might be able to relate to that, even if they haven't been sick, but more so in a state of self-work or in a state of, you know, upheaval in their life. Um, Those are the moments where we get challenged to actually advocate for ourselves or stand up for ourselves. And so I think for me, setting those boundaries or rules in place, specifically what makes them spiritual is the intention. We feel like spells are intention, words are spells. It's all about kind of what we put into the framework of what we're doing. So for for example, a spiritual boundary for me might look like I take 30 minute windows in between clients minimum if I'm doing more than one client in a day, which is not often because I frankly can barely manage that um, with my health. But I feel like that could look very different for you, right? Like you might have a spiritual boundary around, I want to integrate more meditation into my routine as a medium. So my spiritual boundary is all screens are off at 9 PM and I do an hour of meditation and that's it or whatever, you know, like this can look so different. I think my favorite example of boundary setting is actually just like the act of creating time for your spiritual practice. I think when we start to frame it that way, it becomes easier to set those boundaries. And for all the people pleasers out there who are like, maybe like, I don't want to upset anyone. I'm just such a tender little bean. Like I totally understand. Um, We have all been there, but ultimately choosing and making time for something that is for your own development is not only something that is going to give you routine and structure, which we all need as human beings, maybe except Virgos, they, they just do that naturally. Um, but, but I think like that powerful boundary is you just choosing yourself. And I think that kind of is one of those key things that you can bring back to, is this a boundary? Is, is, am I choosing myself here? Such a good thought there right at the end. I mean, the whole thing, so good, good definition. <laughs> and I love it. But the last part there, like, am I, am I choosing myself in this or yeah, I had, I have definitely had a sort of a realization within the past year or so, not having really to do with my spiritual practice or my spiritual, you know, this podcast or anything with that, but in a different, completely different situation, not being in pretty much not being in my power at all and realizing like how every time I like let a boundary go that I was really like betraying myself, which sounds kind of dramatic when you say it out loud, but that is, it's the same thing. Like, am I choosing myself here? And the answer sometimes is no. And, and it's a little bit of a self-betrayal for sure. So definitely a good thing to remember for sure. Yeah. 
I can relate to that. I mean, I am a bit of a procrastinator and I suck at doing stuff sometimes when I'm not well. So I can totally relate to just being like those boundaries that I set, what calendar? Um, so sometimes we yeah. need to take time for ourselves to even like be able to understand what to even set as a boundary or what our values even are. Sometimes we have to have these check-ins with ourselves to kind of remind ourselves of our path, what we're trying to do, whether or not something is even for us. I think a lot of the time we don't even ask ourselves in our daily life, like, is this thing that I'm doing even for me? Like, is this even what I want to be doing? And I think a lot of the time when we start to set boundaries around certain things, we realize that those things aren't even for us or those people aren't even for us. But I think the thing that makes boundary setting spiritual, like when we're talking about like specifically spiritual boundaries is just like the moment that the person is actively engaging in a spiritual practice related to this thing. And that can be something as simple as setting an intention. That's what makes it spiritual for me. So I think we're all very capable of setting spiritual boundaries. It's just about whether or not that thing is spiritual to us. Mm, Yeah. So when you first started setting your own spiritual boundaries, what did that feel like for you? Well, I have a parent who is um, struggling with addiction and just kind of off the deep end, to be quite frank. And there's had to be a lot of boundary setting throughout my life for this person. But ultimately, like I started to physically like distance myself from this person and like stop taking calls from this person when I was maybe like in my late 20s. And that was kind of around the time I started reading professionally. Um, So I kind of started to understand more about my own spirit and my own sensitivity and what I can and cannot take on from other places, people and things, because we are acting as like pretty much a satellite. (laughs) like it's a just reception for a lot of the Mm -hmm. time for a lot of the messages that come through and sometimes some of those stick within our subconscious or we can leave a session with something so I mean having a like an energetic hygiene routine is just as important as setting spiritual boundaries but that's a whole other topic Um, (laughs) but but I think I don't know that's all (laughs) yeah love it love it yeah so you, I think you touched on this a little bit, but I want to make sure if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, I'm a people pleaser or um, I I need to set my own boundaries. They're feeling really sort of called to the spiritual boundaries. How, how can they start to recognize their own spiritual boundaries? I think like getting really clear on what is sacred to you, getting like really, really clear on what is spiritual to you feeling connected to whatever that understanding is. And this can be something as simple as like a list of things that you enjoy, things that bring you pleasure that can be spiritual. For me, like the things that are kind of like non-negotiable and sacred to me are time alone. I need that so desperately. I am a hermit. Um, I, I need time in between clients. I definitely go through cycles where I need more rest. So that for me is, you know, that kind of helps me recognize my spiritual boundaries. But I think first of all, just finding out what's sacred or spiritual to you and then recognizing what boundaries could exist or should exist to kind of protect what is sacred to us. So are there certain relationships that are sacred to you? And do you have time for those relationships? What is standing in the way of that? Are there certain tasks that you want to be doing to pursue your spiritual journey or classes you want to take? You know, those spiritual boundaries are going to vary from person to person and they can change over time. But establishing and maintaining boundaries can just lead to a more fulfilling life in general, whether or not these boundaries are even spiritual. But I think 
there's a deep satisfaction with setting them because you kind of learn this deep respect for yourself. And I think you kind of touched on this when you're like letting yourself down, but on the opposite side of that is like when you start to actually recognize your spiritual boundaries and think about this, because I mean, we've been taught and pretty much conditioned as humans to like prioritize the needs of other people before our own. And I think it's very much like a, you got to put the mask on first, you know, before you put it on someone else. I think that is so applicable. And I think we all have, you know, little bits and tendencies of wanting to be a good person and like not prioritize ourselves over over others. But I think through my spiritual journey, I've just learned that like you absolutely 100% have to prioritize the self. And I think that's a huge key with setting spiritual boundaries. I, I feel like one of the challenges, if I can just explain this it's yeah yeah. okay um is like the reactions we get from people when we set certain boundaries and that is scary and that can be hard and that can actually be life-changing that can Mm -hmm. change your relationships that can change your job your family dynamics Mm -hmm. and so we have to deal with the ripple effect of what our intentions do um in this world and I'm sure we've been able to explore that through witchcraft too at certain times like these are themes that are you know as above so below it's like anytime we set an intention, we're going to see a different manifestation of that physically. And so when we start to set that intention, set those boundaries, certain people are going to leave your life. And that shit is very hard. And I can relate to losing a lot of friends uh, through choosing myself. But looking back, I feel very empowered. But yeah, that that challenge kind of pushes a lot of people away from choosing themselves. Yeah, I love I love that you also touched on, like I said, yeah, not choosing yourself you're letting yourself down or betraying yourself. But I love that you also touched on when you don't let yourself down and when you keep your boundaries, how good that feels and like how nourished you feel from that. I think that is so, so positive and, and so important for people to hear. So what are some of your favorite ways to set spiritual boundaries, whether that's energetically with your own, like we sort of talked about that, uh, like cleansing and everything like that energetically, but also, maybe with uh, the people in your life and, and people, places and things in your life. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I like to set spiritual boundaries by carving out intentional time to work on my spiritual practice. Um, I choose to prioritize that time because I benefit from that time and my devotion to my practice, my clients benefit from that time. My partner benefits from that time. And I feel like I've had to take a lot of time away from socializing, which was a choice I made to kind of get my health in order over the past couple of years. And I've made the decision to release certain connections. And, you know, some of those connections really greatly limited my ability to function or ability to serve myself. And I think once I started to realize how vital that that serving myself was as a medium, kind of first and foremost that made it a lot easier to kind of make certain decisions. But I think part of our job is working in the realms of grief and loss. And part of this job is also, you know, once you're out as being a medium, people think you're fucking bonkers. So, you know, there's certain people in your life that are just going to be like not down with it um, or not understand. And I think some people have it easier than others when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, I think a lot of Um, traditional religions can really kind of sever family connections when it comes to this kind of thing I feel like I'm getting into like challenges (laughs) but but ultimately like 
my favorite ways to set these boundaries is just by listening to myself, really understanding what is holding me back. Um, for me, a lot of that is just quality time with myself based on who I am as a person. For someone who's maybe a lot more extroverted than me, they might enjoy that quality time with a group or with a coven or with a class that they're either teaching or learning from. Um, there are plenty of ways to, I don't know, find beneficial ways of setting these boundaries for yourself. What about energetically for you, especially in mediumship? You know, you are um, receiving a lot from people on the other side, from people's loved ones on the other side. What are some boundaries that you set in that realm to, you know, sort of keep yourself protected and and with less, um, maybe like less chatter at the end of the day? Yeah, because sometimes I just like... I'm guilty of sometimes like having terrible energetic hygiene and just like closing down with a client and being like, la la la, let me just go make a grilled cheese and like forget about this entirely. And then my partner's like, why am I feeling a presence? And I'm like, oh shit. Like that kind of thing. (laughs) So I'm like, oh my God. So I feel like sometimes, well, actually all the time we should have a routine in place when we're doing any sort of spiritual practice, whether that's just communing with our guides, doing ceremony in our own way, a ritual, whatever. We need to have some sort of like, boundaries and rules in place. Um, For me, most of the time, I have a little bit of like an energetic setup and takedown routine for my clients. Sometimes I don't have time or my dog needs to go out and I end up not doing it. I think ultimately, like energetically, I will notice immediately if I've taken on something that isn't mine, because I got, I, through this work, I have gotten very, very clear on feeling into my own energy and differentiating that energy from someone else. And I think that's a huge part of mediumship practice. You know, you've worked with mentors before. I'm sure you might have the experience of, okay, what is me? What is my intuition versus what is conditioning? Or what is my intuition versus what is a spirit that's talking to me? So we've got a few different things at play. We have like our subconscious mind with all of the traumas that we've ever experienced and the biases. And then we've got spirit talking to us and we've got ourselves. So it's like, there's, it's like a radio with too many frequencies going on. So I think if we don't keep that pathway clear, like that's just going to complicate things. And it's going to make us feel like we're less tapped in or less intuitive. And another thing about being a medium, I'm sure you can relate to is our confidence is our power. So it's like the moment somebody is like, no, we're like, oh shit. And then everything just kind of crumbles. Um, So really like, for me, my energetic boundaries are about self-affirmation as well. And like getting myself hyped up if I need to and being kind to myself. I do a lot of journaling for that. I have a very packed third house in astrology, which is the house of communication. Um, And so for me, I'm a writer. So I like to write things out, type it out, whatever I need to do. But I highly recommend for setting spiritual boundaries, look to your own astrology, look at things like your moon sign, what makes that moon sign comfortable? Um, what are the things that are fucking with that in your life right now? That kind of thing. Ooh, cool. Yeah. I love the little astrology spin on that. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but I think that's a really cool way to tap into, you know, another spiritual side of yourself and a cool way to use your, or like, think about your moon sign as well within the realm of boundaries. I really, really, really like that. I think a lot of psychics should really look to their moon sign for a lot of different things. Um, It specifically shows us a lot about how we receive information as a medium or as a psychic. So I think working with your personal astrology, like I'm an astrologer, so that's something that I do in, in all of my work is I relate it to the personal astrology of my clients. So I feel like that advice is just me really liking astrology, but it works for me. So <laughs> I hope that helps. 
Yeah, no, that's so cool. I mean, I know we're, we're tangenting, but I'm going to go with it for a second. Like I'm a Sagittarius sun, Capricorn moon. And for me, I always felt like, I mean, I definitely see the Capricorn parts of me. And I, I always wondered like how to incorporate that like the my moon sign a little bit more I think I I present very very much Sagittarius and I feel a lot of the time in my Sagittarius energy but definitely have that sort of more shadowy Capricorn vibes as well so yeah I just love the idea of um you like thinking of the moon for psychic and how that can connect into I really really love that very cool. yeah totally I mean the moon is our deepest inner self so it really tells us a lot about how we operate on that level and that's the level that we need to get to to connect with spirit so I think looking at your moon looking at what's in your 12th house looking at what's in your third house of communication these are all like psychic indicators so I mean that's a whole other thing but um what's your that's another episode <laughs> <laughs> what's your rising sign um uh cancer cancer oh my goodness so you're quite psychic that makes sense okay yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. And well, I'm, actually glad to, for, I'm glad to know. Oh, uh, I'm really excited about this. Um, oh, yeah. for yeah, your chart, your, your chart ruler is the moon because you're a cancer rising. So your moon placement is actually very important in your chart, um, mm-hmm. because it's your ruling planet essentially. So Capricorn moon rules your whole chart. So oh, okay. that in itself is pretty important. <laughs> oh, so cool. Okay. Yeah. I, I sense an, I sense a future episode coming out of what we're talking <laughs> about right now. Yes, please. So, Yes, absolutely. So, okay, let's, if we're let's, like tap into this astrology a little bit. So where can people look in their charts to maybe tap into their boundaries a little bit more or like tap into how to set boundaries or like do boundaries place anywhere in our astrology charts? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the first things that comes to my mind is like specific oppositions to the ascendant so the ascendant is like our outer self how we interact with other people sometimes when there's specific um, oppositions which just means that there's a planet opposite that that's kind of butting heads with it those energies can kind of come up a bit frictiony uh, not so great depending on which energies are kind of harmonizing here but ultimately looking at if, is there anything pushing up against your ascendant because those are sometimes judgments we get from other people that things that have been put upon us from the ones looking in so a, a lot of the time when it comes to setting boundaries I think let's look at what's pushing back against us in our life we can look at other oppositions in the chart as well spiritual boundaries I would look to uh, what's going on in the 12th house the 12th house is the house of self-work it's the house of spirituality mysticism self-undoing the spiritual realm so I think looking to that house, um, seeing if you've got any major players in that house, do you have any of your immediate planets there? I have my moon and Pluto both in Scorpio in the 12th house. So for me, I'm extremely sensitive and I can get a little bit rage filled if I don't take the time that I need to just really ground and chill. Um, I'm very water dominant. So I even looking at your dominant element can tell you how you will receive psychic information, how you will feel that information. Um, it's just kind of looking at the qualities in your chart. It's hard to explain. <laughs> I hope this makes it's sense. a lot. Astrology is so, so deep. There's so many, <laughs> so many details in astrology. I feel like so totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, we could Very go on cool. all day about that. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So my next question, I I'm pretty sure we, we all know the answer to this at this point, but I'm going to ask it anyway, just in case anybody needs to, needs it reinforced, who should be setting spiritual boundaries? Oh man. 
I feel like literally everyone, um, but more specifically, thinking. like more specifically, like sensitive people, spiritual people, people with crappy boundary setting, people pleasers. I feel like boundary setting in general, whether or not it's even spiritual is just great for all people. But I do think that spiritual boundaries kind of come with a caveat of being a spiritual practice. So I really think these are for anyone who wants to be focused on their spiritual practice, wants to integrate more of a spiritual practice and wants to be responsible with their own energy. That's something that didn't even occur to me until I was so burnt out from not understanding those limitations that it affected my physical health. So I think for anyone on a chronic illness journey as well, like get your boundaries together. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I agree. That's what I said. I think, I think we know the answer, like pretty much everybody, or yeah, if you're sensitive, if you are on a new spiritual journey, I think, yeah, it's, it's so, so, so important. Do you have any tips for in terms of like magical spiritual boundaries, if let's say we're going to a family function, the the holidays, they're not coming up yet, but by the time we release this, they might be holidays are coming up. If we're going to these family functions, uh, maybe you just like don't want to talk about this work with people specifically, or you're just not looking to like get into an argument this Christmas or, or something like that. What are some spiritual boundaries, like a little bit more magically that we can set for ourselves? Yeah, sure. Um... Well, in my family, I think it's like everyone's afraid of getting in an, into an argument with me, so they wouldn't want to talk to me about anything. Um, I'm usually the <laughs> shit, the shit starter. But I feel like, like in terms of, like I feel like in my family, I've got like you know a few different relationships that are kind of tense. And one of the things that I do personally is just really setting like clear intentions before going anywhere that I don't want to be going. And so if I have to talk to certain people, like just keeping in the back of my mind, like my own convictions, um, like I don't really talk to a lot of people, like I don't have a huge family, but I don't talk to a lot of people about my work unless specifically asked about it. Cause like, I just, it's a lot to get into. So I don't want Me people too. to yeah. a, think I'm completely bonkers or B just like waste my time for me to just ramble about all the intricacies of this. Um, so I think really getting clear on like what it, what feels like a yes for you, what feels like a no for you and who and how you're willing to speak to and how you're willing to be talked to. Getting clear on some of those things can really just inform our spiritual boundaries to be active in the moment that things are happening. So for example, like let's say we're at a family dinner and someone makes a rude comment to you and you're like in the moment just like so flustered because you don't know what to do but something as simple as just checking in with yourself in that moment being like will I remember this in a year do I care like is this worth my time is this worth my energy by giving into this am I perpetuating something else like there's certain like things where it's just about prioritizing our worth over you know whether or not something is worth our energy I, I hope that makes sense no, yeah, definitely. And that's one thing that I feel like being on this spiritual journey, like a little bit more publicly in the last year or so has really taught me. I mean, I'm one of those people who wants to, I just feel the need to explain myself a lot. Like, this is what I believe. This is what I think. This is like all of that stuff. And this work has helped me just be like, really step into the power of not of feeling like I don't have to explain myself to every single person, or I don't have to tell every single person like what I'm up to in complete detail. And that is really empowering. And so 100%. I think, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like, um, 
that's such a like cancer rising problem too. Cause you're like, I just want everyone to be okay. Like, I just want to make sure I'm not like doing anything wrong. Right. Yes. And like, <laughs> I don't want you to have, like, I definitely have this thing where like, I don't want, like, I don't want people to have the wrong impression of me. Like that matters mm-hmm. to me. So that's, I think also where the like a little over explaining comes from. I but, feel um, like, I was going to say, I feel like I have the opposite problem where it's like, I like I'm a Scorpio moon and rising. So I feel like anytime somebody like wants to know something about my life, I'm like, why? <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> like, I like, that's give, me, give me some of that. I wish that I had some of that. Like I, I need that. <laughs> but yeah, my husband's a Scorpio son and he definitely has that, that same thing where it's like, why do I need to like so much more private than me? Like I'm a talk, 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 like blah, 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 every detail. And he's like, why do I need to do that? I'm like, oh, give me some of that. You know, <laughs> that is so relatable. My partner is an Aries son with the Leo rising. And she's always just like, why are you so secretive? And I'm just like, you don't need my grocery list. Like you don't oh need my these like small so details. Funny. It's just like so ridiculous. Like, like I don't even care at the end of the day. It's just like, I just don't think to like share things with people because I'm like, no one cares about little old me. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love, I love that. I love the differences. It's so, so fascinating. Okay. So yeah. let's, we're going to, for the little bit of end of this, let's switch gears a little bit to medium. Sure. What are some of the challenges that you feel like you face as a medium? Like, what are some of the the kind of tough parts of the work for you? Um, I really feel like being a medium is not for the weak. Like, if I had known some of the things that are kind of a deep part of this work, like, I may have made some cho- some different choices along my journey, but I don't regret this work in any way. Like, I'm deeply, deeply connected to it, and I know that it's part of my purpose in this lifetime, but sometimes the stuff that we get into is, like, super dark, super heavy. We are literally working in the realms of death talking to dead people, communicating their grievances to their loved ones, communicating their apologies to their loved ones. There are a lot of facets of the things that we end up communicating that we don't understand on a personal level as mediums, but we basically just are given like a spiritual charade image for, and then just kind of like translate that the best we can. But within that, sometimes there's just certain energies that you feel or certain emotions that you feel through spirit that you've never felt before. And I'm sure you can relate to that. And it's pretty visceral and pretty jarring sometimes. And as a sensitive person, like sometimes after a session with a client, I'll just cry for like an hour, like just let out whatever that is. And sometimes that's a huge part of my energetic boundary setting is release and actually Mm. making time to tap in and feel what is mine, what does not belong to me. Specifically, my biggest challenge is if I've had like a client that has lost a child and that child comes through or a spirit of a child comes through for some, some reason that just hits me really, really different. Um, I'm not even really like a child person. Like I don't want children. I'm not like, don't leave your kids with me. Cause I will not know how to feed them. Like I, <laughs> they will starve. So I Great. just, I, it's really foreign for me to kind of connect with the spirit of children and their energy as you I'm sure you've met a child before they are very pure um, very very like energetically intense so sometimes when children's spirits come through there's just a lot to work with both on like a physical energetic level like we're holding a lot of energy we're holding a lot of space for them because their souls are like I don't even know how to explain it but they're just intensely active I I, for me that's how I receive Mm it Um, so that is hard, um, on like a physical level to just even hold space for that spirit, but on like an emotional and mental and spiritual level to relay the emotions of a child to their parent is really intense when that child has passed. So I just, 
that for me is really, really hard. I've had that happen a few times and unexpectedly, like not knowing that that was something that I was going to struggle with or not knowing what that even looks like. It's kind of that vicarious trauma thing I was talking about. Um, You know, a lot of people who work in service or work in health or work as a healer in some capacity understand that we take on vicarious trauma through our clients. And this can even like sometimes like our client doesn't have an energetic hygiene routine. And then we take on a bunch of stuff that doesn't even have anything to do with the session. I don't know. Those are some of my challenges. I also think like just trying to explain yourself when people are like, what do you do? And then you're like, I'm a psychic medium. And then people are like, really you're like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so that's also I love that you mentioned release as a part of a spiritual boundary I think that is so that really is so important to remember it really like resonated deeply with me so I think that's something I'll be thinking about after we finish as well what are some of your favorite parts about being a medium and a spiritual practitioner I love the community I feel like the amount of incredible amazing super mystical like never been done before humans that I've met through this work is just unbelievable. And I love the purpose in my work. I love knowing that when I connect with my clients, they leave the session feeling inspired or reminded of their strengths or leaving with a deeper understanding of astrology or a deeper understanding of how to use their astrology to aid in their healing or use their new connection with a past loved one to aid in their healing. These are things that I feel absolutely blessed to be able to aid in at all. Like that is beyond for me. Um, I've always wanted to be able to help and heal other people in my work. And I love that I actually get to do that. That's very powerful for me on my journey. But I think like being able to bring magic and connection um, to spirit as well and like connecting them to their past loved ones, it's like serving both the world of spirit and the the human world that we live in. Um, simultaneously Um, that's kind of the main motor motivator for me it's just kind of like supporting healing and self-discovery in myself and clients love it love it love it I have one final question for you and that is how can someone who's listening to this podcast right now open their door up to their natural psychic or intuitive abilities Sure. There are a few things. Um, One of those things that I think might help anyone to tap into their psychic abilities is something that I specifically do um, like first and foremost with any clients that I do psychic coaching with is to look at what our fears are around this work. Look at what your doubts are about yourself with this work. Really just getting clear on fears and doubts right away, putting them all on the table, being super vulnerable with that, because this work is incredibly vulnerable. We have to go super, super deep. We have to move past our own human shit in order to do this stuff. So if we don't get clear on like what it is that our fears even are, then we can't conquer those fears and we can't get better at this work. So I think a lot of the time there's so much fear around spirit communication that's been perpetuated in media and perpetuated in film. And I think when it comes to anything of the world of spirit, we really see these dramatized examples of really the Catholic narrative of what is happening with spirit communication. Um, And so I just urge anyone who might have fears related to spirit possession or Ouija boards or anything like that to just do some research, look into it from the people that actually do that work and not popular media to determine whether or not that is dangerous. I think that I, I studied media studies in university. So that kind of gives me like 
a specific passion for debunking the bullshit that we see in media because media shits in your head literally um so just really getting clear on like okay is this fed to me has this become a bias is this even accurate and does this perpetuate stereotypes or narratives that are put upon people through um, predominant religions that don't actually value their spiritual development on a personal Mm -hmm. level, Um, that kind of thing. So, so important. What a great tip. I think that's the first time we've heard like that's, I mean, that's a really unique tip. And so I'm I'm really happy that you gave that because it's super, super important. Thank you so much, Christiana, for being here. Can you tell people where listeners can find you if they're interested in learning more about you and your work? Uh, sure. I do want to say one last thing about yeah. how someone can open their door up. So I feel like that fear work is like first and foremost, but when it comes to like your own unique psychic abilities, everyone is different. And we might think we're not psychic because maybe we don't see clairvoyant images, or maybe we don't hear audibly, or maybe we don't have uh, a strong clairsentience like some other people might. So I urge people to look into the clair senses as well. Determine which ones are your strong ones, which ones are not. And those are the ones that you just need to develop. So this work is like a muscle and it gets stronger as you go. So that's my best advice is to just constantly be working on it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree that it it's a muscle and you can you can strengthen it and it might, yeah, when you when you like don't sit in the work and like do that stuff. Yeah, sometimes it can uh fizzle a little bit or atrophy like a muscle right yeah (laughs) yeah um but you asked where listeners can find me Um, yes you can definitely find me on my couch playing animal crossing but I think (laughs) that (laughs) I think that realistically you can find me online uh earthsidemedium.com or on tiktok or instagram at earthsidemedium amazing christiana thank you again so so much for being here and for this conversation about spiritual boundaries and your mediumship work i super appreciate you taking the time Yeah, no problem. It was such an honor to be able to chat this stuff with you and to actually have it resonate and to get wonderful feedback and like your own takes too. It was just such a pleasure. And I'm really looking forward to connecting more in the future. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from opening the door, Follow along on Instagram at Opening the Door Podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email openingthedoorpodcast at gmail.com and you might have your question included in one of our future Q&A episodes.